0: Good morning, Crypto.
1: Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, ABS, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonza, also known as Super G, joining us on this Monday. Johnny, aka the Italian Stallion, and Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King, is joining us. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the Ripple vs. SEC lawsuit is becoming more clear than ever, with Ripple CEO Brad Gowlinghouse calling out Gary Gensler's regulation by enforcement, stating, in the end, we win. Coinbase is looking to the UAE as Pepe coin begins to lose momentum. We discuss if this is the end of the meme coin saga. And with the crypto market looking bearish heading into June, we break down the details, showing our community how institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I barely have a voice this morning, but I couldn't be more excited to be here. How are you feeling, my friend, and how many hours of sleep you get last night? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I have only going on about maybe two or three hours. I ain't going to lie. I'm extremely tired. But, you know, like you always like to say, there's lions and sheep. And we are lions, so I'm here. Um, and, yeah, my voice is kind of on the edge, too. But let me just say, like I always do, good morning to all the War Maniacs. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. A little tired. We're going to do the best I can. And uh, also say good morning there to Andrew and Gonzo. Great to see you guys.
1: Gonzale always great to see you. And it was obviously exciting being together this weekend. What do you think was the best part of this weekend for yourself? And how are you feeling today?
3: Uh, I'm feeling amazing. You know, just like Johnny, uh, a little tired. Uh, I, actually, my voice came back because I didn't really have a voice yesterday. i actually still wearing my Merlin shirt, uh, Johnny. You can still see my Merlin shirt. wearing. Uh, it's I, Merlin it was, Monday. Yeah, Merlin Monday, right? And so, uh, yeah, it was There were so many awesome parts. Like, obviously, first and foremost is spending time with the team and getting to to be with you guys, being with Coach AV, Jeremy, Jackie, B, everybody. Um, You know, I got to spend a little more time talking to Coach and then B this time. So, every time, like, you know, I I get to spend a little bit more time with certain people on the team. So, that was great meeting the other content creators. Uh, We missed you guys on Friday. I know we didn't do a show on Friday. I was in the chat for a little while, but we were traveling. Um, And then I got to do Sin City Crypto that was cool seeing how somebody does like an in-person uh, show and kind of like how BitBoy does, how the Sin City guys do it. That, that was really awesome. Got to sign their wall. Uh, I got a little nervous at the end when they asked about like my info because, you know, we have the Good Morning Crypto Twitter and then we have my Twitter. And, I, you know, I wasn't sure in my head which one I was going to give out. So then I said, I think. And then Dave called me out. He's like, you think you have Twitter, bro? And I was like, <laughs> I have Twitter. But it, it was hella funny, right? Uh, but, but, but it was cool. But yeah, just spending time meeting all the other content creators. You guys got a bunch of pictures with people. We'll talk about that. But I mean, it was really awesome. Um, I I think we're going to be able to cash in on bringing some new guests that we met that are part of the XRP space. Uh, I I won't steal the thunder, but uh, yeah, man. But it was awesome. Just. Getting to see you guys and spending time together,
1: absolutely, Gonzo. And it was so cool seeing you collaborate with Sin City Crypto. We're going to have them back on Good Morning Crypto soon enough. But Andrew Cashflow, how you feeling, this friend? Obviously, it's the nighttime in the Netherlands, so good night. And how you feeling?
4: No, it's not nighttime. It's a uh, five five twenty p.m. at this moment, so uh, it's uh, it's okay. But uh, you know, I hear so many fantastic stories of you guys, and then then I feel so sorry that I live in the Netherlands. It's so so much traveling and. Uh, so maybe one day, one day I should go to uh, to US and and be there more. And so yeah, you know, I'm very proud of you guys that you did such wonderful work for the academy, but also for the crypto world, for the for the uh, for, for for everybody here who's listening uh, for for XRP. I I heard you you met uh, 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 Brett Garlinghouse. Fantastic, you know. And then I'm sitting here and just waiting and see you guys doing this. But you know. No, I'm very proud of you, Gonzo, App, Johnny, and all the others, the whole team. Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do, by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 4,093 followers. 4,093 followers. Yep. So go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. We broke 4,000, so that's really exciting for this weekend. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting at 60 this morning, Johnny Crypto, and this is not a time to consider taking profits as we've got red bubbles all across the board, and that would include Pepe down nearly 28% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we're sitting at 1.15 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,900. Ethereum, 1870. XRP is 43 cents, down 6% on the seven-day. We've got some exciting news to share regardless, and that's where we're going to stop on the Total Coin Market Cap this morning. Johnny, before I kick it to you, my friend, we're showing the video that everybody is tuning in for right now as Brad Garlinghouse made some groundbreaking statements at XRP Las Vegas, and we're going to bring them to you here. Here you go. I appreciate
0: you thank you, And I'm here to thank you for all that you have done to support this effort. Truly, it does take an our And this army
1: has been incredible and supportive. You hear that, Johnny Crypto? In the end, we win this thing and we're going to throw a proper party. With that being said, I'm kicking it to you, my friend.
2: Yeah, Abs, I I heard it. I was right there. I was eating shrimp when he said it. I was like, all right, baby, let's go to the party. But Abs, you know, before I hop into that, I do want to first... Let's just give a shout out to, you know, Brad Kimes and and his whole team there. They did a phenomenal job of getting out there and, you know, putting together a really, really amazing, amazing event. I thought it was very impressive bringing all those people together, you know, keeping Brad secret and being able to do that. That was so awesome that we actually had a chance to uh, meet Brad. I did ask him to come on the show, so we'll see. We'll see if it happens. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, you know he did he did say it's possible, so we'll see. But you know it was just really really cool to to be in the presence of so many people that we've talked to over the years, or who have been an impact in the community and trying to make things happen here, and to be up there and be able to share you know stories and be able to talk about these things, and also to be able to give you know we we had a we had a booth there and Gonzo and Jackie and Brenda and. And then missing May and Jeremy did a great job of doing live demos of Merlin. Many, many people got to see what it was like to use the apps. That was really awesome. And then that last segment there with John Dean and Jeremy Hogan was just completely priceless when, uh, you know, where, where Eleanor got to kind of, you know, have that nice talk about what's happening in this space and where it's going. It was just overall a fantastic event. You did a great job up there hosting as well. You know what,
1: Johnny, before I kick it right back to you and Gonzo and everybody else, one of the things that everybody talks about with the XRP community, they call it the banker's coin. But then you get around the people who are actually taking part in this thing and talking about the project every day. We're everyday people trying to make a difference. And that was more clear than ever this weekend. Whether it's Brad Kimes, Digital Asset Investor, these guys who are superstars in our community, were so approachable, willing to talk to everybody. And that was what was most exciting for me. So I just wanted to throw that in there.
2: Yeah, no, you're, that's exactly what it was. And, you know, here's a here's a great picture. You know, Jeremy couldn't be there live. He was there through uh, virtual. But J- but you were so right, Abs. It was so cool that everybody was just so um, easy and approachable. We got to meet BC Backer as well there. And it was just so cool that we got to see, you know, again, everybody kept saying the vibe with us, Quincy, right? The vibe was great. And we got to meet everybody and just – You could just that's how you network. Right. And that's why you want to go to these events to get to meet people, to be able to be surrounded by like minded. Everybody, the big the most common thing I heard everybody say was, oh, my God, it's so great to be around like minded individuals, you know, and they were all talking about something that that I know our chat group talks about here. So I want to bring this up. They were all saying, like, Johnny, when I talk to people everybody friends and families they think i'm a nudge job. they think i'm crazy you know they, they can't you know they're like why are you in crypto that's it's a scam it's a ponzi scheme and um and the reality is abs i told them you know what 95 percent of the people you talk to right now if you tell me you're in crypto they're all gonna think you're crazy and it's okay it's normal that's about right happens to me too it happens to all of us Um, uh, just we're just so early in and, and the time not everybody's ready yet for this thing to take off but when it does those people who thought you were crazy are going to think you're a genius. So I told everybody, stick in there, hang tight. Uh, for all you guys that are out there, love you guys. Appreciate you guys for coming out. It was awesome to be able to shake your hands and hear your stories and take pictures with you guys. So thank you. And again, just a last shout-out to Brad and team. That was just an awesome job. I'm already looking forward to XRP 2024, Abs.
1: Absolutely, and I know it's going to be taking place. Gonzo, I wanted to get some quick thoughts from you before we dive into our first article. What do you have on your mind, my friend?
3: Yeah, just the, the, the Brad story was hilarious because like me and Jeremy were like outside and we were all trying to go to dinner. We we're going to meet JV, but we all have to get there at the same time. And we're like texting Johnny, right? Like, hey, Johnny, are you coming? We're asking him questions. And in typical like Johnny fashion, the response is the photo with him and Brad Garlinghouse. And Jeremy's like, is that? He's like, Gonzo, look at this. Who, who is, that? is that? Is that? There it is. I'm like, oh, shit. That's Brad Garlinghouse. I'm like, he's with Brad Arlinghouse. I'm like, he's not coming to dinner, nope. dude. He's with Brad Arlinghouse. <laughs> and so, you know, we were delayed. So it was just hilarious how it went down. But yeah, you're right. Like, the, I think that was the biggest thing that I learned, like, uh, you know, meeting all the other content creators. They're all just normal people, just like us, trying to build a community, trying to build something. Uh, it was interesting seeing, like, who, who has a regular job, like, you know, Johnny and I have regular jobs and stuff. And, and, and even people that I thought did this full time, Actually, you know, have jobs. I'm not going to give them up on who they are, but they actually have jobs like they work at night and stuff, and they're all trying to build something. so it's really nice that we're all kind of uh, this is our community, but we're all kind of part of a bigger community, like what Johnny's talking about that you know w- whether it's xRP or it's just crypto, you know we're a very, very uh small percentage of the population, so it's very nice when we're able to like kind of support each other because that's what we should be doing, right? We should be supporting each other. Um, because, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're all trying to change our lives and we're all trying to change the lives of our families and our community members, right? And so, yeah, uh, definitely, it was an awesome event and, you know, can't wait for next year.
1: And that's a perfect transition into our first article, guys. But before we do that, we got 290 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this breaking news out of Ripple. Because not only is Brad Garlinghouse being more confident than ever, he's calling out the BS taking place at the SEC. And he's even claiming that Gary Gensler shifted his narrative once he got into office. So Ripple will have spent over $200 million by the time this legal battle with the Securities and Exchange Commission is over, said CEO Brad Garlinghouse. The SEC is accusing Ripple, Brad Garlinghouse, and co-founder Chris Larson of breaching US securities laws by selling XRP without first registering with the SEC. Well, Johnny, believe it or not, that's not the most interesting quote from this article, as Brad Garlinghouse was taking direct shots at SEC Chairman Gary Gensler here. uh, Garlinghouse said that Chairman Gary Gensler and other SEC officials have made statements in the past that contradict the regulatory belief that XRP is a security. You have a video footage of Chair Gensler, Uh, As a professor at MIT, saying 75% of these digital assets are already commodities. And now he's saying they're all securities because he's the head of the SEC and he's seeking power. He's putting power ahead of sound policy to grow the economy in the United States. And what's really interesting to me, Johnny, is not only did he say we're going to win in the end, he's getting bold with these claims against Gary Gensler. So let's start there. What's it mean to you?
2: Yeah, you're right, Abs. First of all, let's answer the most important question here. People keep asking, how, how tall is Brad Carter? Let me tell you something, guys. That guy's a monster. He is tall. I mean, you saw the picture. Standing next to Abs, he towered over Abs, too. He's got to be at least like 6'10". No, I'm just kidding. He's not that old. He's really big. Right? I give him you a know.
1: solid 6'2". Solid yeah, 6'2".
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm small guy, so like 6'2 is like 6'10". But yeah, he's really, <laughs> he's really really tall. So that's question number one. But in terms of the this Abs, you're absolutely right. I think we even played the segment where Gary was talking about you know how much, like everything's a sec- not a security; it's all a commodity. And then he did a complete, completely, completely named, right? Completely flipped, and now everything's a security and not a, and not a commodity. And you know what sucks when you're when you're the chair? It sucks with this video of you saying the opposite. However, unfortunately, nobody's really pulling it up and talking about it. Uh, you know, it would be interesting to see, but I'm sure. Even if they did, you know what? Gary would have a response. Gary would be like, yeah, I know. I said that then, but that's because of this and blah, 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 blah. And you have a hundred reasons. And the reality is, um, as we heard Jeremy Hogan talk about on this show, and he literally repeated the same exact thing, of course, and covered it on this show first. But at the at the event, he talked about the case, and he literally said that, you know, this case will be groundbreaking, ground setting. And if it gets to the appellate level and that gets in the decision is made there, that will be extremely binding. Every other case uh, would the, would then, every other court case would then look to the result, results and ruling of this case. And that would be kind of like setting law. And so if Ripple wins this case and it wins at the appellate level, forget about it. It's game over. We're going to have clarity. And, and it won't matter what Gary said before, what Gary thinks now. There's a really, really, really powerful ruling, you know, that, that this could have if we end up getting it, not at Judge Torres's level, but at the next level up. Um, and there was another thing we learned, Abs. I don't know if we're gonna talk about it now, but well, I'll, yeah, all right. So I'll say it right now. So if you remember, um, when we talked to John D and we got to talk to him, he literally said that, you know, you hear a lot of the oh, when's this gonna end? When it's gonna end. But he made a very good point that this case will most likely end worst case scenario sometime in the September time frame. And the key reason? Why he said that was, I didn't know this, and I don't know if anybody legal out there, but if you take a certain time period to make a decision, Abs, that, and you exceed, I think it's a six month, you get reported. You actually, as a judge, you get reported to Congress, and then you have to go in front of them and explain why. And that's kind of like, you know, the dunce cap that you get put on. It's a really bad thing. If that happens to you, you're probably never going to make it to an appellate level. So the good news for all the warrior maniacs, or I should say the XRPR maniacs, is it looks like most likely we're going to get worst case scenario. Now, you know me, I love to know worst case. Probably sometime within September, we should have a ruling. And he said it could be anywhere between now and September. But at least we all know now Judge Torres is going to have to go on the hot stand if she don't make a decision by the end of September.
1: Johnny, another thing that we got from the conversation between John Deaton and Jeremy Hogan was the fact that the SEC is doing something they've never done before. They're claiming all sales from beginning beginning future and current sales yeah. are operating as securities. And that's why they're going to lose this lawsuit. It's impossible to prove the fourth prong of the Howey test when you make a statement like that. But I want to kick it to Gonzo. What was most important to you and what did you learn from the Jeremy Hogan, John Deaton? Was there anything that opened your eyes about this project?
3: Well, like Johnny said, uh, you know, Jeremy doubled down on his quote when he had said it this on, on this show. And then I kind of repeated it on Friday when they talked about like, okay, if Ripple wins, the SEC is going to appeal it. And I had brought up, well, Jeremy had said that and he doubled down at the conference saying that if they lose, he doesn't believe that the SEC will appeal it because then it goes to the appellate court. And like Johnny says, then it becomes law. Right. Even if they lose the case, what happens is and I'm not an attorney, but that's the way it was explained to us, is that the other companies have to do their own fight and they can refer back to the ruling. But it's not law. It doesn't become law until it goes to the appellate court and then they rule on it. So Jeremy's doubling down saying that they're not going to risk that. Now, John Deaton's response to that was, yeah, he agrees. That's very logical. But when you look at the case in totality, they haven't been logical at all, right? Gary Gensler has not been logical at all. So there's kind of two sides of that conversation that, yes, when you look at it, logically speaking, they would not risk, you know, an appellate court ruling against them and turning it into a law so they can't go after the other projects, but they're not speaking or they're not Acting very logical because when you look at it, it's not like Ripple is some fraud company like an FTX. It's disruptive technology, right? Rosie Rios has talked about this, right? It's disruptive technology. It's the most utility that we see when you're talking about cross border payments. But they're acting as if it's like an FTX and they're suing these guys as if they're like defrauding people, right? Uh, and that's just not the case. So um, I, I didn't, I missed that part because I was outside doing demos. So that, that was good that you reiterated that, Johnny, because I didn't hear that part as far as uh, the time limit that the judge has to make a ruling or else, you know, she, uh, she gets in hot water. So at least, you know, like at the, at the very minimum, we're going to get some kind of ruling uh, from here to, you know, September.
1: And Johnny, with $200 million already spent in this lawsuit, Brad Garlinghouse is now giving an indication that Ripple is ready to exit the United States regardless of what takes place. He shared some breaking news this morning. Brad Garlinghouse stated, as I just shared on stage at the Dubai Fintech Summit, Ripple is expanding in Dubai. With 20% of our customers based in MENA and clear regulatory regime being developed, it's no surprise that Dubai is an emerging market and a crypto hub. For innovation to thrive going forward. And Johnny, this is the biggest concern that he should have, or sorry, Gary Gensler should have when you come to regulation by enforcement. You're not going to annex this technology. You're going to push it overseas. But I do want to play a quick video before we kick it to cash flow here. Gonzo brought up the FTX collapse and in many ways, it exposed crypto investors to how this market actually operates. We're going to play this short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go.
5: FTX had everyone along the way paid off they had the politicians paid off, they had the media paid off, they had every single person paid off. So these greedy rat bastards thought that if they got in and got their friends in and you played the FOMO or YOLO or whatever these things even mean these days, that why not? Everyone, if you could buy something at six cents and sell it to someone that $6, $6, and then remarketed to 60 then to 600 why not? You can make a billion dollars. And
1: that's exactly what Sam Bankman-Free did, Andrew. While projects that are legit working with the World Economic Forum, partnered with over 40 central banks around the planet, those are the projects the SEC is going after. But when it comes to the Ponzi scheme economics of crypto exchanges, that's something they're okay letting thrive and then falling back on the retail investor. But before we hear from Andrew, we got 308 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and Jim Kramer is making some bullish statements on Bitcoin. That gets me a little nervous. But Andrew, what do you think about this FTX news here? Did it expose the game to how the
4: market is actually operating behind the scenes? You know, it is it it's it's the biggest scam that, that is possible, and that's exactly what he says. He he paid every everybody off, so nobody will is actually willing to attack. And actually, um, this week I saw an article in the Dutch newspaper, and it's written here. That uh, the, the, the 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 failed FTX is preparing for a comeback, and a, a very positive article here in, in 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 the Dutch newspaper. it's it's weird. So it is a sort of charmer offensive to say, yeah, FTX, yeah, it wasn't so bad, and you know, it, it's, it's so weird. And then you know, the the, the greedy red bastards. <laughs> Fantastic. John, you know? How your do we call them, guys. Uh,
2: uh, Johnny, how do we call them? Andrew, Andrew, we call them. Well, we used to call them rat snake weasels, but I think I'm going to put a G in the front of it. <laughs> I like, I love this guy. This guy is fantastic. They're greedy rat snake weasels. <laughs> I'm going to have to upgrade the meter. Becky, is Becky out there? Becky in the crowd? There? Becky, I'm going to need one with a G. I guess I, guess I could use a Sharpie. No, but but
4: <laughs> that's still what you can say. Who is the smartest guy here in the room? The guy who has the most money and and who pays everybody. Follow the money and you see what's happening. And what they do is they they sue uh, Kraken, they sue Coinbase, they sue XRP, uh, everybody just to get the attention somewhere else. What, what, What JV always says, look here, look here, and don't look there because there it's happening. You know? And that's exactly what's happening. And that's that's why I'm so happy that we are in, 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 in a show like this. We just look at the other side of the news. And you know, I think I think we are part with our community, part of a great show, and we make it visible.
1: Absolutely. And Johnny, I want to get a quick thought on this as well. We're allowing coins and projects like Pepe to thrive. This is a coin that started off at a $0 market cap on April 18th. I don't even know what the date is today. The date is May 8th. And we are currently sitting at over, we reached a market cap of $1.3 billion into a project that has nothing more than Ponzinomics going for it. But Gary Gensler, where is he supposed to bring the enforcement action against projects like this? And this is why I do not believe in the regulatory uh, efforts of the SEC.
4: Your
2: yeah, state. and you know, and this is—I <laughs> love it. Greedy rat snake bastard weasel. Got to add a B in there too. But uh, you know, they uh, they um, this is how it's done. Like when you look at the mob, right? And like we were we were talking about, we were in Vegas, we were talking about a little bit and me. But when you think about the mob and how they do things and how they're successful, right? There's no secret here. I mean, that's how the mob did shit. That's how stuff got done. You basically bought off the cops. You bought off. You could watch The Godfather because you, you had to have all these the politicians; they were all in your pocket, and that's how shit got done, right? That's how it happened. No surprise here to learn later that you know, good old Sam had literally all those guys in his pocket, and that's why he was able to be able to pull off the scheme as long as he did. And why weren't they abs? Weren't they calling him the next JP More? Like they were, yeah. trying, they were calling him all these. Oh, you're the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I guess if you pay, <laughs> I guess if you were paid, everybody to say great things about you. People are going to say great things about you, right? And that's obviously what happened there. And and so, sure enough, when the when the cards came tumbling down, the interesting thing now to see is, you know, what happens to them and how does this whole thing? How does this whole thing play out? But you are right. You know, when you think of things like Pepe now, people are going to lose their shirt. I was reading last night in the airport, I think it's down 50% already. I mean, there's no question. Like, listen.
1: And Johnny, let me tell you this. This is what we brought up on our channel throughout the entire Pepe saga. Number one, people are telling you that they're making millions of dollars. They can't sell into the liquidity pools. There's not enough liquidity to take profit on these tokens. So the tokenomics set so that it goes up over time, but nobody's cashing out into real assets. That's the first thing. The second thing is the only people who profit on these things are the guys who get in early. And the top three accounts for Pepe alone made over $14 million since inception. So you're saying, where is this money going? It's being slowly drained from the project until they finally pull the plug. And I think that's what we could be witnessing here. What do you think, Gonzo?
3: Yeah, you know, I think you're spot on. It's the early adopters. It's the people that get in early that usually pull all the liquidity as people start to FOMO in. And that's what we say, you know, you need to be careful. You need to know when you get in. You need to have an exit plan. Right. You know, because all they've really done is kind of jacked up the gas fees on on Ethereum. And that's what's been going on. But going back to the FTX thing, you know, he wasn't like, it's not like he did something that was original. To me, it's learned behavior. Right. He he was just playing a game that has already been played already. Right. Like what Johnny's talking about with the mob does where he was paying. He just 10X the idea. Right. And it makes you wonder, like when you go back to, the inception of these exchanges. And we've talked about this with USDT, that they kind of fake it until they make it, right? And I think that's what we had a lot of going on back in 2016, 2017, when these projects were starting out, or these exchanges were starting out, I don't think they were always on the up and up, right? And they were mixing customer funds and they were doing all kinds of weird things. And as they made money and they were able to kind of cover things, they kind of started to stabilize like USDT, right? That's why you've had that cloud around USDT because I don't think they had what they said they had at the beginning. I think they do now, right? And so I think that what happened with, with Sam Bankman-Fried is he saw how they did things and he just got caught in the cycle, right? He thought he was going to be able to pull it off. He thought that the market maybe wouldn't correct as much as it did or that it would bounce back and he could just hold on long enough to continue the scam going. He could recover and then move the money where it needed to go And it just didn't work out that way. And I think it happened with Celsius. It happened with all these projects, right? It's not like they created this idea. They learned it from somewhere else. And I think it goes back to the inception of these exchanges and kind of how crypto projects did things. And the longer that they're here, the more stable that they become because they've now gone through a bunch of different cycles. That's kind of why I like like Kraken, right? Because they've been through a bunch of the cycles already and and they know – they can expect what's going to happen and kind of foresee it where FTX could not see it. But um, as far as them coming back as an exchange, I would not personally put my money into it. You know, I, every time I saw Sam being freed, I remember like they would show him like he would do these interviews and he would talk about like they would sleep under the desk. Right. And people thought that was so cool. Like he was a genius. And I, I thought that was dumb as hell. I was like, dude, you're a billionaire and you're sleeping under your desk. That's weird to me. And that's why I never invested in FTT or ever like was an FTX because I thought that was random. There just, there was something off about that. Right. And so, uh, but uh, people thought he was a genius and uh, look how it played out.
1: This Gonzo. Now everybody's talking about how Pepe is listed on Binance. Well, coincidentally enough, breaking news inside sources have made it clear. The SEC is very close to moving on enforcement actions against Binance and Binance.us, as well as their CEO personally. And this is becoming a bigger narrative than it's ever been before, Johnny. Coinbase is currently looking at a relocation to Dubai because institutions have easy access to crypto in that location. I think we're only going to see more of this going forward. But before we get into that story, Gonzo, there was a very interesting quote about Tom Brady here that I'd like to play for our listeners, and then we'll move on. I
5: dropped on um, that's fancy. <clears throat> Tom Brady, everyone know Tom Brady? Tom Brady, best I can tell probably made somewhere between three and 400 million playing football. His entire career had a decent career. long time. Mm-hmm. He was paid 650 million dollars to be an FTX spokesman. 650. Wow, one of those worthless tokens and a shame on him. But 650 million dollars to be a spokesman is a lot of money right? And, and God knows what his wife, ex-wife, whatever, whatever she made on top of it. But when you're getting paid that kind of money to promote something, you don't know the first thing about, right? I mean, blood is all over his hands too.
1: As they should be Johnny, because as much as he made money, that money came out of the hands of retail investors, $650 million to promote something that you don't fully understand. Somebody's got to hold Tom Brady accountable. I'm born in Boston. Thank you for the six Super Bowls, but $650 million. What's it mean to you, man?
2: Yeah, man, dude, you know what? The reality is at the end of the day, where is it? We're going to have to add Brady to the rat snake weasel meter. Just don't he's crank the, him all the way up. Give him in the yellow. No, I won't crank it all the way up, but he's definitely out of the, yeah, he's definitely like in the beginning of the red zone because, you know, maybe he didn't know all, And, you know, Matt Damon too, he was the only one that promoted crypto.com and, you know but definitely you know he Brady's on it. no question about it. he definitely has to be on it because he you know he's a very well known celebrity, right? No matter where he goes and if and when, when when he takes that kind of money, if you're gonna take that kind of money, you better damn well know for sure whether you're getting into something that's legit or not because people are gonna follow you and I agree with you Abs guys like that need to be held accountable. but the problem is I don't I don't think they're going to um and i think that's the scary part you know you talk here about binance and i think you mentioned something about coinbase too moving to uh the uae EU and i just want to bring something up because this show is really for our fans and, and it was a great question here below that a fan asked and said you know can we go over the gala airdrop did you miss it so we did go over the gala airdrop a few weeks ago but there's been an update so i want to bring you guys up to speed so you don't lose your bags um and what we just learned on the Gala airdrop. So, guys, you have to have your Gala airdrop. You need to have your Gala stuff before the 15th moved into an Ethereum wallet. And look at this news. This is great. This is new news. Um, it, or As of a few days ago. Coinbase, surprisingly, abs, abs he had a display on Coinbase. So, Coinbase just came out and said they are not supporting the Gala airdrop. So, guys, if you have your coins in airdrop, I mean, blah. If you have your coins in Coinbase, Gala coins in get them the hell out of there. Move them into... You need to move them into a place where – into an ETH wallet, right, so that the best place and the most safest, so you all know, is get a Gala account, open up a Gala account, and move them into Gala. If you move them there and you put them on the ETH chain, you're going to get your airdrop, and you're safe, and you're protected, and that's it. And no, I would not take $650 million without a – come on, Mr. Right? I can't believe you put that out there. I got more integrity than that. But uh, but Abs, I just want to make sure our fans know, guys, if you have Gala – Move them into an ETH wallet. Go into the Gala Discord. Ask them if you don't know where if your coins are safe. Tell them where you are and figure it out. Because man, if you don't, you know, you don't want to lose that. Uh, V1 coins will be absolutely zero and worthless. Gala V2 are the only ones that are going to have any worth. So it would be sad to see people lose their coin, and I don't want to see that happen to anybody. Abs. Absolutely. absolutely, Gonzo. I'd yeah, love you.
3: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, it, you know, and just not to confuse people, but it, it's not an airdrop, right? That the, they're upgrading the, the token, right? And so it automatically happens when it's an Ethereum wallet. The reason Coinbase is having an issue with it is because when they're like kind of um, their regulatory attorneys look it over, they don't know if they're going to list the version two. They're actually looking at it as it's two separate tokens. And that's why you're seeing that, right? And it's not that it's two separate tokens. That's just the way that Coinbase is dealing with it. Just because the V2, the new version of Gala will have different properties. And so they want to make sure that it doesn't like meet the security definition. And so that's why they're not going to, they don't know if they're going to list it yet. And that's why you need to get it off of Coinbase because V1 will be dead. And if they don't list V2, then you have no way to do that, to have that one for one exchange. And so like, yeah, Johnny's right. You could transfer it to Atomic Wallet. Gala has her own wallet. Um, you know, if you have questions, you could always reach out to us or DM us. Um, you know, we we can help you out. But it's just a switch; it's not an actual airdrop of a token.
1: That's really good to know. We got 356 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there's a lot of news that we could get into today. We're going to talk about Brad Garlinghouse. We're going to talk about Coinbase. But the big thing that everyone is talking about is actually Bitcoin gas fees being insanely high. And I know Gonzo did some really good research on this. So Gonzo, I'd love to kick it to you to start with. There was a new update provided where meme coins are going live on Bitcoin's Layer One. Due to the emergence of ordinals, over 450,000 transactions are now stuck or pending on the Bitcoin blockchain. As fees have surged to new highs, it now costs an average of $19 per Bitcoin transaction. But many exchanges are charging over $60 to process that native transaction. So, of course, they got to take a little off the top, just like the mob, like Johnny Crypto said. But Gonzo, why don't you explain what's going on here?
3: Yeah, so it, this also ties back to why uh, Binance over the weekend kind of paused the withdrawals for Bitcoin is because basically it's like Ethereum, it's like the gas fees got too high. And what you had is you had these ordinals, right, where they're able to kind of take the single digit of a Bitcoin, which is a Satoshi, and they're able to create, they created, it started off with the ordinals and the NFTs, and then somebody kind of went up that and turned it into what's called a BRC20. Kind of like ERC-20 where we have meme coins, right? They're tokens on the Ethereum network. brc 20 are tokens that are created on the Bitcoin network, right? And so what's happening is uh, you're getting congestion and that's why the transaction fees are high, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the maxis are really, really upset right now. They're pissed off, like. but this is kind of like the evolution of Bitcoin of what's going on, right? If you want to participate, you can, um, you know, You need to create an Ordinals wallet to start off. uh, And then with that Ordinals wallet, you can access that ecosystem. I want to say all included, it's about at a billion dollars right now total. Um, The other thing is you can see with um, the market, the market's down right now, right? But Stacks... Um, that's been up. I think this morning it was up 20%. What Stacks is, it's a scaling solution for Bitcoin, kind of like what Polygon is to Ethereum. Stacks is to Bitcoin, and it goes into like a kind of a bigger narrative that Abzor and I were talking about this morning. That I think that Layer Twos are going to be a, a narrative that's going to be very strong in the net bull run, whether it's Ethereum Layer Twos, Bitcoin Layer Twos. Um, there's a story that now we, we have scaling solutions, um, Hydra for 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 Cardano. Um, That's a layer two solution. So I think they'll do very well in the next bull run, but that's what's going on with Bitcoin is basically you had this BRC20 creation, uh, basically a meme coin creation on Bitcoin now, and it's congesting their network uh, and it's causing the, the gas fees to go up.
1: And Andrew, this seems to be a bigger issue, right? We're looking at the meme coin part of this, but that would never happen on a blockchain like Stellar or XLM because it can handle that amount of transactions and keep the costs at a minimum. So what do you think? Is this a reflection of a larger issue, or is this just a meme coin saga finally taking place on Bitcoin?
4: Well, this is a sort of deja vu, uh, uh, what we see here. We have seen this insane uh, 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 large uh, transaction cost also in the Ethereum network a couple of years ago. Why was that? Because of uh, of the rise of all the NFTs. Everybody wanted to buy NFTs and that, Ethereum fees were up up to hundreds hundreds of dollars to to do a simple transaction, and and you know and this is yeah this is the the, the world we live in. However, what I want to say to to the to the people, uh, if you have an exit plan and you are planning to sell a, a part of your Bitcoin, for example, or other coins, always make sure you have a portion of your coins not everything in your wallet but also a portion of your coins on an exchange and take take a big exchange preferably and then also put your limit orders already in there why because the orders will go through but it is a sad story if you say okay i have my 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 coins in my wallet then you have to transfer it because you say okay i want to take a profit and then it's not possible and then, if it is possible, you first have to pay hundred dollars on transaction costs to take maybe a, 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 a couple of hundred dollars in profit. I mean, think, you know. And this is a perfect example. This is what happening when it is busy on the network, and we ain't seen nothing yet. You know, and there will be much more busyness on the on the network in in the near future, especially when we uh, when we go into the bull run, because I think. The border is not even there. Not we are not close to the border at the moment. This is just all hype and, and, and and that kind of stuff. Johnny
1: Crypto, Andrew just brought it up. He says the bull run is not here yet. Let's talk about the conversation we had privately with Blockchain Backer because he said we are allowed to share this information. He talks about it often on his channel. But guys, we got 345 live listeners joining us. Support our channel. Smash that like button. Let the algorithm pump this out to as many crypto holders as possible. And Johnny, what I really wanted to focus on is the Bitcoin price action that he highlighted could come in during 2025. So Blockchain Backer, we had a 15, 20 minute discussion specifically about Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin never again breaking 70000 dollars so blockchain backer has a theory out there where Bitcoin will never again break its all-time high Johnny and I'd like to for you to just fill us in so I can are you paying attention
2: yeah I'm actually I, I'm actually trying to find the photo where we took with him so if you can find it let's bring that up um, it was awesome to uh, to talk with him uh, he was the one guy in my opinion. That when you look back was was spot on with the calling the top. He nailed it. Everybody else you know, said he was crazy selling. But he stuck to his gun. He had an exit plan. And he stuck to his exit plan. Kudos to him. And uh, to be honest with you, Ab's like, I really want to have this discussion. If we can get him on the show, we're going to try to bring him to you guys and have a great discussion. We did have one. But yeah, his thinking was that, hey. You know, and he went into deep, and I don't want to steal his thunder because I really like to save it for the show. But but well, he does share forward. it on his YouTube, so we're not yeah. like sharing anything private. He did say that what he believes is that really the bull runs are driven not so much by the Bitcoin havings, but more so by the the break. Uh, what do you call them? The Dow uh, Jones
0: Industrial. The Land. Dow
2: Jones breakthroughs when you bust through a. Uh, I forgot what he called the actual term, but when you get a breakout, that's it. So when you get a breakout. I think it was after two weeks after the breakout, and I, you know, I don't, I'm just paraphrasing, so I don't remember the exact, but there's a certain time frame, and then boom, you see it. You see it happen every Let time. Let me explain it much better. So over the past three or four
1: bull markets, we've seen
2: an extension of the time it takes for the
1: price to move after the Bitcoin halving. So if you go to 2013, it was 50 days after the Bitcoin halving, we got a massive price pump. If you go to 2017, it happened about 115 days after. If you go to 2020, it took almost 235 days for us to get that pump. And now we're anticipating another halving in 2024. So if we do get another doubling of time, it could be all the way until the end of 2025 before we see some price appreciation from the Bitcoin halving. I'm sure Gonzo has a take, so I'd love to kick it to you, Gonzo. What are you thinking?
3: Yeah, you know, everybody has their theories. And my take is this, is that until we break away from the four-year cycles, then that's what I'm gonna go on. Um, if you follow Raul Paul, Raul Paul talks about the liquidity cycles and how like the M2 money supply and how it, it just happens to match up with the Bitcoin cycle, but really that's what drives the bull run is liquidity. And, and I, I tend to kind of lean that way, right? Because he is a macro guy, but when you look at the, the data and the charts and you've seen kind of like, like what would happen in July, right? I'm sorry, in January, when we had that run, what was happening? China started dumping billions into the markets, right? We had liquidity. So we had a lack of liquidity. We'd hit our floor. Everyone that had sold had sold. And then we hit January and Bitcoin ran. Why? You could see that. I think it was Japan and China was dumping liquidity into the market. And so there is, I think there is something there when you look at liquidity cycles and what it has to do with, with, with the Bitcoin cycles. Right. Um, I wasn't with you guys. I mean, I saw you guys talking about blockchain backer, but I didn't hear what he said. So I can't really comment on that. But um, I have, I I have, I do follow Raul Paul and he talks a lot about the liquidity cycle and it does seem to make a a lot sense, but until we like break away from it, you know, you know, the four-year cycle is still kind of live and well we're expecting that we're going to continue to have some bullish price action into maybe June, right? And then we're going to get a major correction. We're going to find that new floor, which could be 20, 25,000. And then we go into the halving and Mm. then into the next bull run, right? Now, I do believe in diminished returns. Um, I I do think that we're not going to get as a big, big gain as we did back in the past. So I, I do think that we're going to get diminished returns as we go on, right? And so we'll see how it all plays out.
2: But yeah, just remember, everybody is calling for the next bull run that we're going to see, you know, we're going to see 100 or 200K Bitcoin. And so what was interesting there was he is one of the few right now, and everybody's calling him a nut job, just like they did when he sold the 55, and he was pretty much right, right, or near the top. And, and so the same thing's kind of happening right now. There he is. The same thing is kind of happening right now where he's saying, we're not going to get a new high there. But what was kind of reassuring was he did say while well, he doesn't think Bitcoin is going to break through and set an all time high, he certainly thought there would be a ton of room for the altcoins to run. And so for everybody who's out there panicking right now, it wasn't like he doesn't think a bull run is coming. It just may not come in Bitcoin, but we may see a a, a run in alt, in the altcoins. And the question I asked him that I've been always concerned about is now you've got two more different scenarios we have going on now versus in the past, right? In the past, you didn't have the SEC cracking down on crypto and you had the Fed printing, like the printing press was running out of style. And both those things are now different. Now you have the SEC crushing crypto and the Fed doesn't even know where, how <clears throat> the machine's unplugged. It's covered. It's got the freaking dust carpets on it. You can't even find a printing press right now, right? There ain't no money. There ain't print no money. They don't even know how to turn the thing on. They lost the keys. Forget about it. So right now, we ain't going to see any extra liquidity for sure coming from the U.S. market. And that is something I personally am curious and keeping an eye on to see, are we really going to get a true bull run if the number one economy in the world still, which we're kind of losing that, but isn't putting no more money into the market? That, to me, as Yusko says, the question is always more important than the answer. That, to me, is the big question. And Andrew Cashlow. as much as we talk about crypto, the banking collapse in America is really taking center
1: stage. And I believe it's having a massive impact on the crypto market in and of itself. But we have 354 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update before we kick it to cash flow. Because the banks, they did not judge inflation correctly. If you remember, Jerome Powell said two things during 20. 2020. Number one, go get a vax. Number two, interest rates are transitory. Here's a clip about those two topics.
3: Where bank runs can happen more quickly than ever before. But let's get to the fundamentals here. If, if we look at the reason why these banks, the three of the 30 largest banks in, the, uh, in America, failed in the last two months, it's because of interest rate sensitivity of their balance sheet, which means they misjudged inflation. Mm-hmm. The Fed misjudged inflation. They've admitted it. They're behind the curve. The administration has been asleep at the switch for the supervisors wow. of these institutions. But the root cause of this is inflation. And if we can address inflation, right. it gets to the disease rather than functioning uh, addressing the symptoms. Management choices and uh, hedging their bets could have been a big factor here when it came to the CEOs who ran these institutions. Yeah, so you-
1: I love this representative right here, Patrick McHenry. He always asks the tough questions and gives great answers. But Andrew Cashflow, when we talk about the banking collapse, he broke it down very well. It's just an inflation issue. Inflation is the secret tax, not only in America but globally. When they print money and put additional cash into the market while continuing to keep the tax rates at the same number, you're stealing from the retail investor. I don't want to bore people with the details, but long story short, what does this mean to you?
4: Yeah, he is absolutely right because printing money in oblivion it creates inflation. But don't forget, we had they 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 did their very best to get inflation uh, also before before the. The, 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 the sea sickness started so they were saying yeah well, we have to go to two percent three percent four percent and then it almost then it, it skyrocketed and you know and all those years that the inflation was so low a lot of banks took a lot of risk just to buy bonds for maybe 10 years with yielding with one percent and now they, when they have to now they have to come with liquidity yeah there is, nobody wants to buy those cheap yielding bonds at the moment. So, and that is purely from those banks' stupidity, because you have to hedge that risk. And of course, I understand that costs you a little bit of your yield. But this is always happening, and there are many, many, many banks that thought, you know what? Yeah, we will make uh, we will make some money, and uh, because we, we must be uh, we must be profitable. If they didn't hedge the risk, yeah, we, I think we'll see more banks in the near future just collapsing. And and then my our big friend, uh, JP Morgan, comes in because they are the biggest, and they will buy another bank, and another bank, and another bank, and in the end, they own everything. Exactly. And in the end, they roll out
1: central bank digital currencies. But Johnny, we've got BRICS nations expanding faster than ever around the world, and JP Morgan is claiming this is one of the biggest threats to the american public today we talk about crypto every day on this channel but when you study currencies this is what determines who is the global superpower the fact that countries around the world are trading the us dollar not only in oil transactions and energy transactions but for goods and services if that gets removed that is the that is the equivalent of losing a world war and jp morgan very much agrees with those statements johnny so what do you think as america is slowly falling it seems brick nations are expanding rapidly
2: Abs, you, you just literally took the words that I've been preaching for the past three months out of my mouth, right? That's exactly what I've been saying I'm worried about is the, the, the standard of living. People don't understand because the U.S. and anybody here who's living in the U.S., all of us who have been born here, every single one, including Andrew and myself, we were all alive. We, we've never lived through another country being the world reserve currency. We have well, actually, sorry, Andrew's a different country. So all of us who've been here, we've we've been born and raised in America, and we or live here, grew up, and we only know what it's like to live in a world where the U.S. dollar is the goal, is the world reserve. We have no idea what happens when that change, when that transition occurs from being the world reserve currency to losing the world reserve currency. Because the last time it happened was in the 1940s, when we went from the UK to being the world reserve currency to us, and so. You'd have to go back and find people live in the UK and see what, what their lives were like. But when you look at the stories, you hear the stories of their life, their actual lives, their lifestyle, quality of life goes down, Abs. Because the value of the money goes down dramatically. Because think about it. Here, you're the world reserve currency. You're, you're the UK. Your money is spread all the whole world. So there's a shit ton of it printed because it has to support the whole globe. Then when it no longer is a reserve currency, all that money from all the other globes is, hey, here, take it back. We don't want it. You it all back. We don't need it no more. It's useless. Pooh. it's paper. It's toilet paper. It means nothing. You take it back and now there's too much of it, right? Supply and demand, simple equation. And now this money becomes worthless. And so any of the, the population of the country who owns that money is now in trouble because their cost of everything is going to skyrocket, go up kind of like a hyperinflation type of scenario, not necessarily hyperinflation like we saw. In uh, Venezuela and in Germany, where, you know, you, you need a million marks to buy a loaf of bread. But it certainly is inflation to the point where, you know, people are not going to know. It's going to be a really bad thing for Americans. Within. They're not even going to understand the impact of, you know, now it costs maybe 4 or $5 to buy a loaf of bread. And it may cost 30 So, and I don't know. I don't know the exact transition. But the point is, it's going to be a much, much higher number, which means, and here's the problem, apps, Your paychecks, your paychecks are not going to go up at that same rate. It's gonna be a very, very now I it's also not gonna be a flip of a switch either, Abs. It's not gonna be overnight. One day we're the reserve currency, one day we're not. It'll be a, a slow transition, painful transition, but it's gonna be like, hey, you know, maybe within the next three with whenever that transition occurs over a period of two, three years, my guess is you'll see prices of things just kind of going up pretty quickly because of the fact that there's just too much currency. It's all being dumped right now. As we speak, Abs, I think you had the statistics on the show. What was it? 50% of people, 50% of countries now are dumping, or there's only 55% of the U.S. currency inflow and went from 70 to 50. So the countries already dumped 20% of that money already out of their hands. And that's why you're seeing inflation happen. And and
4: the the good, The good news is when you have a mortgage, perfect. True. If you have a mortgage, the amount of money will be worthless. So... You can easily pay back your, your your mortgage. And that's why we also say hold some gold and silver because that goes up in
2: price.
5: Yes. And then
4: maybe with several coins, you pay the rest
2: of your mortgage off. Bingo. Andrew, thank you for that. Bingo. And that's why that's the argument I always have with my brother with my, with my buddy here, Abs, is the reason why I love gold and silver, not so much because it's got you know it's gonna skyrocket and take off and it has the highest return, but in a situation where this type of inflation is coming and especially a switch from world reserve currency. That's how you preserve your capital because gold will then skyrocket or will go up higher more than you're ever going to see it go up. Now, when it's no longer valued in dollars, the price of it is going to go dramatically higher to the point where what you said, if you have a fixed debt and you have gold that's going up, you can then take those profits and pay off that fixed debt and at least eliminate that debt. So that's certainly something that, that, I'm, I'm going to be trying to do. And again, I'm not a financial advisor. None of you should do this at all. You should talk to a financial advisor. You should do your own research and find out what's the best solution for you. But for me, Andrew, absolutely love precious metals. And more importantly, you know, real estate too, right? You want to diversify. You want to have real assets and not paper dollars. That's that's to me is the, is the key to surviving the next transition. If you were to ask my personal opinion, absolutely. I'm not financial advisor.
1: Thank you so much, Johnny. And we're going to play this video, of Brad Garlinghouse. This is brand new. I believe this tweet is 5, 10 minutes old. So this is some breaking news. We haven't watched this video yet, so this is some great stuff. We're going to play it here. Here we go. Oh
0: I'm kidding. All right, so look, uh, I, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I find it as a a, US, a company that started in the United States and as someone who's a U.S. citizen, I, it's sad. Like I have sadness about this the U- us is getting passed not just a little bit but by a lot and you know but the, the tough thing about this is you have a, a country that i think has put politics ahead of policy and you know that's not a good decision if you're trying to invest in the economy you're seeing you know certainly here in the uae with vara the virtual asset or excuse me virtual asset regulatory authority certainly what's happened recently in europe with mika Uh, The United States is definitely stuck and Ripple, the the case with the SEC, we will spend, the first time I've shared this publicly, by the time it's said done, we will have spent $200 million defending ourselves against a lawsuit, which from its very beginning, people were like, this doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Real quick comment here, Johnny. Although he's spending $200 million, can you believe that's less than one third of what FTX paid Tom Brady? I'm gonna play the end of this clip and go to you guys.
0: Here we go. You have video footage of the chair of the SEC as a professor at MIT saying 75% of these digital assets are commodities. And now he says they're all securities because he's the head of the SEC and he's seeking power and he's putting power ahead of sound policy to grow an economy in the United States. Blockchain technologies are being invested in, pursued in the entrepreneurship outside the United States. And one of the first pieces of advice I give entrepreneurs when they come and ask me, have getting something started? And I'll say, if I were you, I would not start in the United States. Wow. I think there's a lot of U.S.-based companies and even U.S. public companies that would agree with that.
1: Wow. So- and Jeremy Hogan shared similar statements when we interviewed him on our show, Johnny. Remember he said in 2020, there was a lot of crypto exchanges and companies coming to him saying, how can we operate in the United States Here we are in 2023 and those companies, they're not approaching him, but even when they do, he says, go somewhere else. You're much safer option. So Gonzo, I'd love to start with you before we hear from Johnny and Andrew, what stuck out to you most about this clip and why do you think Gary Gensler is being called out publicly right now? I mean, they're in a lawsuit. Is it really a smart move to be publicly criticizing him every chance they get?
3: I think it is because it's the only way we're going to get any type of change. So, you know, uh, even a small channel like ourselves, anytime that we can tweet, that we can show videos, that that we can kind of show that narrative of what he's doing is going to help. Because if you see what's happening in Congress, um, we're starting to see a shift, right? Whereas before it was maybe one or two, now we're getting three or four. Now it seems like it might be splitting between like left and right, and then maybe somewhere in the in the middle. But that's really what we need to do because the most shocking—not shocking, but. the the, the most impactful thing that I saw him say that wasn't the $200 million that they're going to spend total in the lawsuit is that when people come up to him and say, Hey, I have this idea. I want to start this business. He tells them to go outside the U S because they're going to listen to him because they're a successful company. And if he's saying, Hey, just do it outside of the US, then they're gonna follow that, right? And we're already seeing that with with the regulation, right? Like you mentioned Mika, and it's not rocket science, right? Like it's just basic definitions. It gives them a guideline so that these companies can, because most of these companies are not FTX. They're not out there to defraud people, right? They don't wanna cross the SEC. They wanna do things the right way, right? And so they just need to know what the rules are so they can follow those rules. But they continuously keep changing the rules, right? Uh, like you saw it with Coinbase to where, you know, they, they're a publicly traded company. Like the SEC, in order to let allow them to go public, saw what their business model was, right? They saw the staking. They saw all the things that they wanted to do. It hasn't changed. And all of a sudden, now it's a problem. That's an issue, right? You can't run... Uh, you can't have um, this thing grow when you're going to have different people come in every few years and then have a different mindset about it, right? Where they're saying it's a commodity or, and then all of a sudden they come in it's a security and then they come back and they change them out and then maybe Esther Pierce becomes commissioner and everything's a commodity. And then four years down the road, who else is going to come in and then maybe even be worse than Gary Gensler? It's really up to Congress to now pass these laws to create these definitions like they did in Europe so that everybody knows what the rules are and they can just follow them so that this thing can grow the way it needs to grow, right? And it's still not too late, right? They, they could still, like Coach likes to say, they can still get their shit together and pass legislation and reel in Gary Gensler. Um, it, it's not too late, but at some point, we're going to hit that tipping point to where it, it doesn't matter what they do, all the companies will have left, right? And the innovation will have started in other countries.
1: Exactly. And that's one of our biggest concerns, right? It's not the fact that we're worried this technology is getting shut down. The profit's going to go to the UAE. The profit is going to China. The profit is going to France and other European nations that are adopting this technology. Johnny, we're extremely short on time. I'm going to play 10 seconds and then give me a response. This is what I thought was most important.
0: From its very beginning, people were like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. You have video footage of the chair of the SEC as a professor at MIT saying 75% of these digital assets are commodities. And now he says they're all securities because he's the head of the SEC and he's seeking power and he's
2: putting power ahead of sound policy.
1: Get him, Brad. What does it mean to you, Johnny? Close us out here.
2: Well, yeah, first of all, um, I thought today was Merlin Monday, but apparently not. So it's all good. Uh, In terms of of this though, I love this. I love this. Brad is so smooth. He comes out. And he's calling exactly what it is. He sees he's sniffing it out. Right. So smooth of a CEO. I love how he just just so always smooth in terms of how he feels. But he's right that in, in, in from that perspective and aspect, I know we don't have a lot of time here. So the closest I just want to say that I think calling them out and putting a little, you know, putting a little of them on the hot seat uh, because he they are pushing everything out. And we talked about this with John Deaton and we said. This isn't really Gary's problem. This ain't Gary's fault. This is Congress's fault. Congress needed to make the clear laws. The SEC is just supposed to enforce them. But without the laws, the SEC can run a little rampant, and that's what you're seeing happening here, Abs.
1: I got Johnny, I think it's important. We can go over on today's episode. We got 365 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this way, I don't get fired and the boss still loves me. Here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, you get 30 days absolutely free. But Johnny, now that we played the ad, let's get into the story that I wanted to close this episode out on. Coinbase is rapidly moving overseas, and it seems that they don't have another issue. They seems they don't have another solution to the issue they're dealing with, with the SEC. Burla, one of the lead executives at Coinbase, highlighted that USDC deposits were $200 million alone, making up about 18% of Coinbase total revenue. Now, why is that important? According to the details provided, institutional trading revenue has grown 67% in the previous quarter, and pretty soon they could be sued for that exactly. So I just wanted to throw that in there. We're watching the US be put to the test when it comes to regulation, and it's specifically due to Coinbase. Coinbase is asking the SEC to respond to these allegations now, making them fill out forms in regards to crypto regulation. They're having 10 days. This article is from five days ago. They've got five days to respond here. Are you anticipating a response, Johnny? And if
2: you do think they're going to respond, will it affect the XRP case? Are you talking about the SEC responding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know that Coinbase could not get an answer out of us. Actually, this was talked about at the conference. Like these guys are waiting for an answer. Could you imagine that, Abs? You're trying to get the. Tr- You're trying to do things by the book. You're trying to say, "Hey, I want to follow the rules. I want to do this right." And you can't even get an answer from the agency that's supposed to be protecting. How are they supposed to protect citizens if they can't? If they're not answering the questions of the companies that are trying to serve the citizens. This is the problem. This is the problem. Is you are basically seeing Operation Chokepoint at its maximum utility. They are squeezing the heck out of crypto everywhere. And they know that Coinbase is really one of the last pillars of it. If you think about it, CoinApps. Coinbase got the blessing from the SEC to go public. How do you then come back after you gave a blessing to a company to go public? Come back and say, "Oops, sorry. Now we're going to sue you. What? You you let us go public in the first place." I mean, it's just it's it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm misunderstanding how a, how the an IPO works versus I don't even know what the, what what it's versus because it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The agency gave you public uh, ability to go public. They knew what you did. You had to reveal your business strategy, your business model, what you do. And then you come back later and sue them. It makes no sense other than what we've been saying all along. There's another agenda. We all know it's called Operation Choke Point, And they're fulfilling it to the maximum. And let's pray. Everybody better hope and pray that Coinbase wins this or Coinbase fights it. Because if they don't, who the hell is going to fight? Who's going to stand up for crypto apps? Ripple's trying. And it costs them $200 million. And now they're going they're go to Coinbase. fight
3: it. Who? They're going I, I to fight, fight it. They're going to fight it. They're well, going to fight it. They
2: said they're going to fight. fight And then it. they're coming after Binance next. So you better pray. If if these three companies are smart, Ripple, Binance, and Coinbase need to get together. They need to find a way.
4: You know, give, give all the business to Europe, to Asia. It's fantastic. You know? <laughs> you, know if we, for you guys, we love, yeah, people make the money in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Andrew's got right. Mika, dude.
3: Andrew's got we Mika. Mika. Yeah, hey, hey, we're we're, like, we're, we're right, here. We're, let's
4: move to the Netherlands with Andrew. <laughs> yeah, to
3: the the whole
2: team. Andrew, send us some property. Where should we buy out there? We're Andrew, I would to move, move to it. the
1: Netherlands, but I like my freedom, so I'm gonna stay yeah. over here in the <laughs> United States. And Gonzo, I do want to get some thoughts from you, real quick, just to close it out. It's been an amazing episode. We got 333 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash or tap that like button. But we know that Binance could be the next crypto exchange to be sued by the SEC. Here's my question. If Binance is gone, crypto.com is insolvent, Coinbase is now in trouble. Who are we going to turn to? Uphold seems to be the only legitimate exchange left. Kraken's another great exchange out there that may survive this whole process. But what do you think is really going on here, Gonzo?
3: But I mean, just keep that in mind too, that Binance is a world exchange, right? So even if something happens in the US, maybe they shut down Binance US or they restrict Binance US, but Binance is going to be fine because they, they are all over the world, right? And remember, they only have so much reach. It's in the US that they can control it, but you have the whole world, right? A lot of the people outside of the US, uh, where w- the statistics that hold Bitcoin and hold crypto, a lot of them are are, are outside of the US. So CZ is going to be fine. It's Coinbase that really has the big fight because they're inside of the U.S., right? They're a publicly traded company. But you can already see they're already making moves, right? They got their F-Series license for Bermuda. Now they're looking at Dubai. And really, that's where Coinbase is going to make money. If you remember, FTX, what what they were about to do with everything that they were doing, all the scheming they were doing, it was one, to get a federal bit license so they could be the only one. But the other things that they were about to get approved on was to be the first U.S. exchange to have derivatives in crypto. That's where the money maker is, and that's why Coinbase is moving mm-hmm. offshore to do that because they make money, but they don't make a lot of money in the transaction fees, right? A lot of it is free now. Where they make their money is in derivatives. That's why FTX was chasing that golden goose, and they got caught up. But, um, Yeah.
1: Andrew, do you have any closing statements on this whole exchange saga? We've covered this for several months, that Gary Gensler is going to regulate the crypto market by going after the on and off ramps. I know some people are bringing up DEXs and Zoom wallets. For the people who are familiar and and deep in the crypto market, those are solutions. But when you talk about an everyday investor who's just looking for something simple, it's going to be too complicated for my 65-year-old grandma to learn how to use a DEX, right? So what do you think is really going on here? And if they regulate exchanges, is that really going to push crypto out of the United States?
4: No, you know, it's inevitable. Uh, 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 Crypto will be there. It will come there. And, you know, and and I I was for years, I was an engineer and I team guy. You will find technological uh, uh, U-turn constructions to to provide everybody with crypto. Is it easy in the beginning? Absolutely not. But, you know, but if it would be easy, everybody would do it. And that's why we are early and sometimes it's difficult. So I would say, Come to the academy, learn how to use crypto. We will find always a way to, to get your XRP, your Bitcoin. It, it doesn't care. You know, we, we together in the academy, we know so much about the whole crypto environment. We will help you always. And is it always easy? No. But if you are willing to learn and you are willing to put in the time to do it, you will. you can set up a perfectly nice portfolio, safe for the future and, 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 and make, make some money there. So uh, that, that's my two cents.
1: Thank you, Andrew Cashflow. And it's like Brad Garlinghouse said this weekend, in the end, we win. But guys, we got 333 live listeners joining us. Thank you for being here on this Monday. Smash that like button on your way out of here. This Wednesday, we're going to be having Tony Edwards on the show. That's going to be an awesome episode and we'll be talking about some XRP. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining me.
2: Ooh, let's go, let's baby. go.